Hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Chance, a rants with the plants with me, Lauren. And me, Graham. And yes, we're a father and daughter weekly podcast that talk about all things football going from the Premier League all the way down to the National League. And in the lineup for this week's podcast, I'll be discussing a free transfer in the championship that seems to be doing very, very well, as well as putting forward my new chant to you, Dad. Well, I'm looking forward to that, yeah. And uh, I might be talking about a South American superstar. Not Lionel, not called Lionel, though. Okay, I think I know which superstar we might be talking about. And to warm up with for the podcast, let's have a little warm-up conversation and I didn't. I forgot to mention it last week on the podcast, but last week Spurs hosted the world's first net zero carbon football match versus Chelsea, which was the hashtag Game Zero. And I thought it was a good opportunity to just raise awareness and educate people. But when you actually look at the nitty gritty behind it, I'm not sure how it is a net zero carbon football match completely. Both teams obviously headed to the stadium on coaches that used biofuel. Players were drinking from cartons as opposed to plastic bottles. Not that I see them use that many plastic bottles on pitch. And they encouraged fans to either get public transport or cycle to the match. And both clubs were obviously... London base it's a little bit easier to do it so I think when you get down to the nitty-gritty part of it it's going to take a fair few years to actually make football matches completely environmentally friendly Um, but it's good that we're raising awareness so in terms of trying to be pioneers within football clubs Forest Green Rovers are probably up there really with clubs that have had a huge influence wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. When I went there, it was very uh, environmentally friendly, that's for sure. Yeah, using renewable electricity, obviously a lot of grounds are now cutting out the use of plastic. So I think obviously it's very tactical that they chose two London teams to do this first net zero carbon football match. But actually, it's going to take a fair few years, but I think it's a positive thing that obviously we're raising awareness and, and looking to try and make matches as sustainable as possible and things like match day programs I know you love getting a match day program but that probably is something that down the line do you think that might become paperless or is that too much of a tradition well it stopped at Rovers this season has it completely yeah, definitely yeah ah okay so online only yeah well there you go obviously it's a good thing I know we do love our programs and collecting them over the years but it's certainly something that is going to be looking down towards the future so yeah that's kind of my little warm-up conversation I've got to talk about that match last week and so now for the kickoff, this is an opportunity for us to really kick off about something that maybe has wound us up a little bit in football or something that's really frustrated us this week. What is your kickoff, Dad? Uh, I've not got any great science to it, but I've been reading the whole thing around Arsene Wenger, who's trying to um, create a World Cup every two years. Um, right, OK. Because he's part of FIFA, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's got so a role he's in FIFA. role in FIFA. He said, let's do the World Cup every two years, which um, I don't know. Well, whether it's for money or for, I'm not quite sure, but just so you've got your UEFA, uh, you, get, you know, you got your uh, Euros every yeah. two years, and then it's every four years, sorry. Then you've got your World Cup every four years. So every two years, you've got a big tournament. Um, so it'll be three in every four years or something. And to be clear, though, that mm. the Euros and the World Cup don't clash, which they might do, I'm guessing, at some point. So they'd have to jiggle that around. But and when there's enough. Uh, sort of trepidation when players go away for internationals and everything changes. So um, the only way you could do is if you drop all the friendlies and stop all that stuff and just have competitive matches. But well, they I kind of started to do that, didn't they? With that um, European that's, thing, yeah, whatever that it's league. called. But I just think I don't, I'm not sure why we need to do that. 
domestic football is far more interesting than international football generally, mm-hmm. in my head anyway. So yeah. I think uh, the week-to-week championship, premiership, down to national league, that's enough football with something every two years. But I don't know why uh, Mr. Wenger's getting involved. But anyway, that's my uh, my little thought. Are you surprised Wenger hasn't continued the managing? And did you think he was going to go somewhere else after Arsenal? Or did you? No, I mean, he's, he's done his time, done his stint, I think. Uh, but obviously he wants to still be involved at football in the yeah, top fair end. Enough. But uh, I don't... I, don't, I can't help but disagree with that decision. Well, I was kicking off because it's something that I've come across whilst trying to research matches for the podcast, is that obviously this day and age, a lot of this, the football is all about stats and technology. And what I don't understand is why don't papers and online map reports always have the away attendance? So like sometimes you have to hunt on a match report or I have to look on Twitter, but... What I don't get is why in the national papers they obviously have, say, the overall attendance. Why do they not have for every match the away attendance? Like, I looked for Leeds and West Ham and I couldn't find it anywhere. I looked at all the match ports on Twitter. I also looked for Chelsea versus Man City, which is a huge match. And I just can't find anything for, for the stats for those ones. That's just a couple. Some of the, the lower leagues is actually easier. Um, is it because they just? Is it hard to keep track? I don't, I don't get it. Why isn't it just? Uh, no, I think it's a. I, I I would love to see that. It'd be really interesting. It would be reading, really interesting. But I don't I don't know why they don't do it. It's a bit lazy, perhaps. I'm not and sure. also, we've got to celebrate the fact that fans are in, and it's just really hit and miss. Obviously, most weeks we were able to find our stats and do that kind of stuff, but maybe this could be a little gap for uh, for the newspapers to try and get those kind of information out there. So it'd be really nice to see the uh, away fans and uh, how many are travelling each week. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Half-time turnaround. So this is the team that we think really managed to put around after half-time. Um, my team have gone to the Premier League this week at Ellen Road. It was Leeds versus West Ham. And obviously Leeds going into the match had yet to win. And they went 1-0 up at half-time after Rafina got a 19th-minute goal. So they're thinking, here we go, might finally get our first one of the season. And David Moyes has obviously done a really good half-time team talk. And um, he had real faith in his starting eleven because it really paid off. They got an own goal in the 67th minute. He still didn't make any substitutions until the 78th minute, which is quite a long time to leave it. Um, and then obviously Antonio scored in the 90th minute. And Moyes, he held back his substitutions. He made two in extra time to run the clock down. So a real tactical performance from David Moyes and obviously a great comeback from West Ham because Leeds are not an easy team to beat despite the fact they've not started the Premier League that well this season. Um, and West Ham are managing to continue the great form that they're on and obviously having Antonio back from suspension was a huge boost for them. So yeah, that's my half-time turnaround this week. West Ham uh, coming back from 1-0 down at Leeds to win 2-1. Well, I've gone down into the uh, National League to one of the big matches so two teams who've uh, spent a fair bit of money and both wanting to get automatic promotion to League Two at least or getting the playoffs. So Stockport versus Wrexham, uh, 7,000 plus, brilliant crowd. Uh, 1,700 away fans from Wrexham, so a real big occasion. And uh, the chap I mentioned last week, Mullin, Paul Mullin, big money signing for Wrexham, scored in the um, first minute and uh, made it 1-0. So half-time, Wrexham winning 1-0. Had a couple of other chances to go ahead, so... Um, Stockport manager, 39-year-old Simon Rusk, mostly playing the non-league, Boston United, 140 games, etc. Uh, his only other management role was Brighton, under-23s. 
but he managed to get them all revved up at half-time and uh, they came out and 1-2-1 Paddy Madden in the 48th minute and substitute ride will make it 2-1 um, towards the end of the match. So, yeah, a good win for Stockport. It's disappointing again for Wrexham. Stockport ninth and Wrexham 7th, so both still in the mix, but it uh, be interesting to see out those two who... Uh, who, if not both of them, get into the playoffs. But uh, they both need to, that's for sure. But yeah, good comeback. Well done, Simon Rusk, 39-year-old manager at Stockport. Into the second half of the podcast. And this week, I know you mentioned you might be talking about a player within the championship. Well, I'm also talking about a player in the championship who it's great to see the 35-year-old English centre-back doing really, really well for Bournemouth. And that is Gary Cahill. It was obviously a free transfer from Palace and Scott Parker's obviously made a great move there because since he's come in for the last four matches, they won all four. Obviously, Bournemouth are currently top of the league. Um, he's not even been carded, which for a centre-back in four matches is quite an achievement. And he seems to form a really great partnership with Lloyd Kelly, who I didn't know much about, but he seems um, a really good young English centre-back. I think he's represented them for the under-21 squad and now the under-23 squad. He's only 22 years old himself and seems to be a really good match there, having someone with such experience like Gary Cahill partnered up against quite a young player in Lloyd Kelly. And um, yeah, it's just obviously a really good partnership that they formed and Bournemouth Bournemouth seem to be very much in a great role and it'll be interesting to see how they get on throughout the rest of the season. Obviously, it's a long season and um, he seems to have been a brilliant free transfer that they've got in there and he's one of those players that as as a fan, you see him coming in and you're not going to moan about having Gary Cahill in the squad because either way, he'll have such a big personality in the changing room. And um, yeah, Bournemouth, I certainly tipped them as a team to potentially go back into the Premier League. But we gutted that they didn't get even close to last season. So um, Gary Cahill seems to be putting on a really good performance for Bournemouth. Have you been enjoying watching Gary Cahill back? I've not really seen him play, but I, I, I mean, it is a brilliant signing, to be fair. And that's what you need in the uh, Championship, a good yeah, centre-back. So, yeah, no, he fits very well. Well, my uh, raves about um, fans, we've talked about how great it is to have fans back in, but watching some of the matches and listening to some of the matches uh, on the radio and on, uh, on the Sky catch-up this week. Just the influence away fans and just, it'd be interesting to see, because last season I know there was a uh, a shift towards away wins because there was no fans there. So it'd be interesting to see yeah. what happens this year with fans there. But uh, I know the Villa fans were went absolutely balmy at Man United, West Ham fans at Leeds when they got the late goal. Burnley fans, when Chris Wood got a goal, unfortunately, it was cancelled straight after. Yeah. But it was just, um, I mean, it, it is as if people have been um, sort of, you know, as we know, not allowed to go in for so long that people really are getting stuck loving in. Loving it. And, yeah, absolutely loving it. And, and not just away fans, Sunderland, 30-odd uh, thousand yet again at um, wow. Stadium of Light to see them play Bolton and see them... Uh, win again so you probably cover that later perhaps but yeah so Sunderland just incredible allowing that league keep getting 30 odd thousand every week uh, so yeah they're not just having fans back in but that passion that they show at all the matches so long may it continue well talking of fans this is the point in the podcast the plant chant and it is my chant of the week where I put forward to you a chant about a player from it might be any league but we're in sticking the Premier League and you've got to kind of give your verdict as Mr. Simon Cow. It's been very mixed since we started doing this feature. I've had some positive feedback last week. It's probably my worst feedback yet. And I'm slightly apprehensive about this week. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but this chant this week, I'm going to a 1996. It's a cheesy classic from a dance pop group called Aqua. 
who if you're not born in the 90s you might not know much about them then go check them out because they're a brilliant band very cheesy and this song actually got to number one in the uk so the song itself is called dr jones and i'm going to be using this song giving it to the liverpool fans for their 20 year old english midfielder curtis jones so it's uh, it's not much of an imaginative chance this week, but it's, you've got to imagine it's the 70th minute. It's nil-nil. Uh, Liverpool uh, need something to come on. They need a super sub. He's on the bench. And then this is what I'm thinking, that the Liverpool fans could be singing from Acra's Dr. Jones for Curtis Jones. So it could go, Curtis Jones, Jones calling, Curtis Jones, Curtis Jones, Curtis Jones, get up now. Curtis Jones, Jones calling, Curtis Jones, Curtis Jones, Curtis Jones, get up now. Yeah, well, I quite like that, actually. Oh, okay. I Um, thought that actually does sound like it might be a chant. Well, yeah, would he get up, do you think, to that? I'm not sure. He might have to get Klopp to get him up. Yeah, I reckon uh, he's definitely get up and give them a wave, surely. I think that's a seven or eight out of ten. I'm going to take that. I appreciate that, Dad. Thank you very much. Final whistle now. So this is where we round up the top five English leagues and what happened basically over the weekend. And going to the Premier League, well, Liverpool moved top despite being held with a thrilling 3-3 draw at Brentford and are now the only team yet to lose in the league. Obviously, Mo Salah scored his 100th league goal for the club. Uh, Manchester City have moved ahead of Chelsea on goal difference after their 1-0 win at Stamford Bridge. Man United are currently sitting in fourth after their loss, which was 1-0 to Villa, uh, who are now on 10 points, doing really well. Norwich still rock bottom, looking towards the bottom table after their sixth consecutive league defeat. So it's not looking good at all. Uh, 2-0 versus Everton. Burnley in 19th, still without a win, and they're held 2-2 versus Leicester. And like you said, that Chris Wood goal being cancelled out in the last couple of minutes would have been devastating for the fans and for the players. And Leeds, as I mentioned, also still without a win, having lost 2-1 uh, to West Ham. So obviously you've got the bottom three, currently Norwich, Burnley and Leeds. So Championship, uh, another interesting, exciting day in the Championship. Bournemouth still top. As you mentioned before, having a good run uh, home to Luton 2-1. Billings and Solanke. Uh, Solanke's been around a while. He was Liverpool, of course. He's got seven so far this season. Doing well, yeah. He is doing well, yeah. So, uh, great from Bournemouth. 21 points from nine games. Two points clear of West Brom now. Uh, West Brom had a good win. That could have been the uh, comeback match, actually. Uh, the half-time turnover. They came back from 1-0 down on Friday night to win 2-1. Andre Gray scored for QPR. It's 1-0 to the 75th minute. And then Carlin Grant equalised uh, and then got his second in the 88th minute. So a brilliant win for West Brom. Coventry, they've had a good start actually back in their old stadium. Rico Stadium seems to have got them uh, rejuvenated, 20,000 plus there. Uh, they haven't been back in the... Uh, they left the Premier League in season 2021. Uh, so 20 years since they were there in the days of uh, Craig Bellamy playing from in those days. Great start though, the joint second 3-0 at home yesterday. So really strong start and Fulham and Stoke just behind. Rovers of course sixth, 5-1 win. A brilliant win over Cardiff. Cardiff looks a bit poor though on the highlights. Three points gap from Huddersfield and they play at Huddersfield on Tuesday night. So that's a big match actually. Interesting. And then um, down the bottom, Derby of course. I think this week they've had the points taken off. So minus 12, that means they're on minus two. Uh, and they lost 1-0 at Sheffield United. Hull still down the bottom, lost 2-0 at Stoke. They're five points from nine. 
and Forest 1-1. Steve Cooper been appointed there. Stephen Reid, of course, I think he had one game in charge, Stephen Reid, which they won, actually. But anyway, Steve Cooper, ex-Swansea manager. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does there. Drew 1-1 at home to Millwall yesterday in his first match. So, they're still uh, struggling down the bottom. And uh, Middlesbrough, interesting. Middlesbrough, 9 from 9, lost 1-0 at Reading. 18th, that's a bit of a surprise. But, uh, anyway, there you go, that's the championship. Into League One, there's a gap starting to open up at the top of the table with all leading four clubs. That's Wigan, Sunderland, MK Dons and Plymouth all winning at home. Uh, so just one point now splits all those four teams. But obviously it is Wigan at the top, then Sunderland, MK Dons and Plymouth. Um, having lost to Plymouth, Doncaster remain bottom on four points. Crew, Charlton and Ipswich, who make up the rest of the relegation places, have all drawn this weekend. So Shrewsbury relieved to get just their second win of the season after coming from behind to beat Wimbledon 2-1 and sit one point above the drop zone, which is Ipswich in there. So League 2 and National League League 2, it was all a bit dull at the top, really. So the top three, Forest Green, Leighton, Norrington, and Harrogate, all drew 0-0. Uh, in fact, in the whole of the 11 games, there's only 18 goals. So it was a bit... Uh, Bit dull, Swindon, another nil-nil draw. So there's four nil-nil draws. Forest Green still there, four points clear now, 20 points from nine games. So a brilliant start for Forest Green. Uh, and they're eco-friendly as well, of course. Port Vale and Northampton, fourth and fifth, 15 points. Exeter, they've crept back up there. Exeter and Hartlepool doing well. Exeter, sixth and seventh, Hartlepool and Exeter. Jeff's team, isn't that Hartlepool? Jeff's team doing well, actually, yeah. But six out of ten matches were a draw yesterday in that league, so... Probably the best one of the day was Oldham. Uh, had a bit of a tough start with uh, the fans and everything, but took 1,500 fans to Rochdale. Uh, literally, that's a very, very local derby. Uh, and a Davis Keeler done winner in the 59th minute sent the 1,500 Oldham fans ecstatic. Seven points now level with Scunthorpe, who lost 1-0 at home to Port Vale. Interesting down the bottom there. National League, Dagen and Redbridge are top. 5-1 win over Solihull Moors. Brilliant win, actually. Two penalties by two different players. Then a one point clear of Chesterfield, who drew 2-2 at home to Torquay, still unbeaten Chesterfield and Grimsby, still unbeaten actually. Dover bottom one, minus nine, another team who've got points deducted. Uh, still not won, lost one at home to Bromley yesterday. And Barnet, great for them. Barnet won the first game of the season, 3-1 at home to Weymouth. <laughs> Right, Barnet of the week. And I've gone for a manager this week. He's a 60-year-old Newcastle manager. I've gone for Steve Bruce. Obviously, he's the third oldest manager in the Premier League behind Bielsa. He's obviously 66 and Benitez, he's 61. And now that Roy Hodgson's gone, obviously, we gave him a lot of credit for his amazing Barnet when he was with Palace. I was looking at Steve Bruce the other day and I was thinking he's actually got some really nice grey, luscious locks. And I googled him from when he was a youth and... Do you remember Steve Bruce's hairstyle when he was a bit, well, a bit younger, a fair bit younger? Uh, yeah, a bit of a mullet. Yeah, he'd like a real ginger, like Afro, massive mullet. So he's obviously got great luscious locks and he's kept it going. He's got some a real silver fox look going on at the moment. So, yeah, I'm taking some time to appreciate Steve Bruce's barnet. What well, about you? Well, well, over the years, there's been some famous South American barnets in the uh, in the league, and uh, called Ricky Vila, who used to play for Tottenham. I remember his flowing locks, another South American a hero, and a South American hero at Ewood Park, Ben Brayton. 
who's um, turning on the style both on the pitch and on his head. That's very true, actually. So, yeah, Ben Brayton-Diaz, as he now likes to be affectionately called. Seven goals in nine games, a brilliant start to the season. And uh, he's rocking some good style as well. And long may, long. The, long may the South American locks keep flowing and he keeps flowing with the goals as well. So, yeah, Ben Brayton-Diaz. Right, that's it for this week of Football Chants and Rants with the Plants. Don't forget, you can have a say, whether it's you listen back to some of our previous chants that we've made up, that I've put forward to Dad. Just go on to Twitter and search at Plants and Rants. Oh, you're looking a little bit twitchy, Dan, because we might be having one of our final few barbecues, I was going to say, of the summer. We're in autumn now, but it's starting to rain. How are you feeling about doing that? I'm just looking for the brolly, actually. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about that. But don't forget, we'll be back with some more Football Chants and Rants of the Plants next week, and we'll see you then.